Welcome to Titan Tech, the Pembroke Public Schools Education and Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hall. I'm the K-12 Technology Integrator for the Pembroke Public Schools, a Level 1 and Level 2 Google Certified Educator, and a podcast enthusiast. In this podcast, we'll introduce you to all the members of the Pembroke community who make this school system great, including students, faculty, staff, and administrators. Let's start the show, shall we? Welcome back to the pod. I'm very excited today to interview Adam Newell, who is a technology and math apps teacher at Pembroke Community Middle School. Also going to take a look at some of the options available from Google Expeditions AR and an update from them. They will be coming to the Pembroke Public Schools to visit our, our students. And lastly, of course, we've got our regular feature, Check This Out. So stick around. As I've talked about before on the pod, Google Expeditions is coming to the Pembroke Public Schools. Google Expeditions brings immersive computing to schools, which brings abstract concepts to life, gives students a deeper understanding of the world beyond the classroom. Google Expeditions VR was introduced in 2015, and it allowed teachers to take their classes on virtual field trips, immersing students in experiences. This rolled out globally on Android and iOS, and thus far over 2 million students have gone on these virtual reality expeditions. Expeditions AR, augmented reality, is becoming first available to schools now through a pioneer program that started in the fall of 2017. Using certain Android phones with AR technology developed by Google, teachers can bring digital objects inside the classroom. Now, some of these lessons have been provided by some big-time names, such as Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, Vita Systems, Major League Baseball Advanced Media, NASA, the National Park Service, Parks Canada, UNESCO, the uh, Fire Department of New York, Gilder Lehrman Institute of American History, and others. So they've contributed this really rich curriculum for students. And of course, while nothing replaces hopping on the bus for a field trip, these expeditions provide such a great opportunity for supplemental learning. And seeing the ways that teachers can integrate this virtual reality into their classes has made the augmented reality the next step for Google. So what exactly is it going to be? Well, with the VR system, Teachers were required to have students wear goggles. In the augmented reality system, teachers will have students hold up devices on selfie sticks and walk around the classroom as they get engaged with a 3D object. Some of these expeditions include the following. Basic landforms, the circulatory system, dinosaurs, da Vinci's inventions, forces of nature, the human muscular system, Renaissance art, and World War I and World War II. Now here's where the real fun begins. Google is going to be coming to the Pembroke Public Schools on five separate dates and they are going to visit all five of our schools. We have an incredible opportunity in front of us. They will be visiting the Pembroke Community Middle School on February 5th, North Pembroke on March 5th, Habamock Elementary School on March 7th, Bryanville Elementary School on March 8th, and Pembroke High School on March 15th. And they'll be able to do a variety of lesson plans with students. They bring in all of the equipment, they bring in the phones, They bring in the selfie sticks. They bring in the Wi-Fi and all of the hardware and infrastructure needed. All they need is a classroom and students to test out the equipment. It's going to be a really great opportunity for our our students in the Pembroke Public Schools, and it's going to be a lot of fun for us teachers, too. So stick around. We'll keep you updated on these events. And after the 5th of uh, February, we will give you an update on what it actually was like. And we'll interview some students and some teachers as well. (laughs) 
Okay. Madison Square Garden's never going to be the same. <laughs> Welcome back to the pod. I'm here with uh, Computer... I don't know. What do you call yourself? <laughs> Depends on what I've done lately. Um, I'm a computer programming teacher at the middle school and a math applications teacher. So Adam Newell, computer programming and math apps teacher here at Pembroke Community Middle School, here to talk about some of the things that you're doing in your class. Welcome sure. to the pod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So what's happening in your programming classes right now? So um, our programming classes are uh, semester-long electives. Um, we're just coming up to the end of the first semester, and at the end of our uh, rotation, the students have completed a uh, working video game from a, uh, a structured game that they've gotten. And um, through, throughout the semester, we've fixed the broken game by focusing on key areas that we can use um, math functions and operations to solve. Um, so the idea is that using algebra to, to fix the game is necessary, but that the programming just doesn't work without a good, solid understanding of algebra. So they both go hand in hand. Um, but we're almost done with our, our semester. Um, the students are coming to the very end where they can see that on a uh, coordinate plane, we can measure X and Y distances very easily, but measuring a diagonal um, creates a, a right triangle. Measuring a diagonal requires the Pythagorean theorem, so we're actually coding the Pythagorean theorem so that the video game can measure direct distances between our characters. Um, so we have video games that jump up and down, they move back and forth, but don't actually register collisions until we can get that to work. So um, it's some weighty math, but uh, I think once you can see what you're doing uh, jump to life and react and respond to the, the instructions you give it, um, something that sounds very uh, daunting, like the Pythagorean theorem, um, it becomes pretty, pretty useful and pretty familiar, and I think students can definitely grasp the uses of it um, beyond just the video game. So, but uh, it's exciting too. We'll go home with uh, finished video games. The students will be able to take them and share them with whoever they want. Um, and we finish off with a big end of the semester um, party we have down in the library where all the students can stay after school. It's optional. Um, the idea is a science fair type theme where they get to show off their projects. Um, and each class has um, partners working together. We work in a pair programming model where there's a driver and a navigator and both partners are encouraged to attend. It's kind of interesting that the Pythagorean theorem poster fell down as we're talking uh, about it. It was. It seems like it just wants to be noticed no matter where it is. But <laughs> Don't worry about that, Ben. Can you just throw it on? I mean, I will. Can you throw it on the table? Sorry. You just never know when math is going to jump up and get you or fall on you. You know, and I was going to say we can cut this out, but that's pretty good stuff right yeah. there. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'll be here, be here for the duration. Um, so, so what are some of the games the kids are working on? So we have a couple different themes. The, the video games are all structured off the same basic template in Programming 1, which is what we have this semester. Um, we also have our Programming 2, and, and both classes use the Bootstrap curriculum. Um, programming 1 is Bootstrap Algebra, and we start with these framed video games, and they all are a side-scrolling video game, and the students get to pick the theme of them. So the, the push is to be a little philanthropic with it, to make a game that can be more than just a personal fun game, but something that teaches uh, or, or shares a message. So a lot of students have put things together like um, good nutrition, and they have a character trying to get uh, a piece of broccoli and avoid a candy bar. Counterintuitive in my mind, but yeah. <laughs> but um, so something like that that they can share with people. Um, but they're, they're, all the games consist of a, a player, a danger, and a target. 
and um, the, the target is your goal. That's what get, gains you points. So there's a variety of different ones. There's um, some politically themed ones with um, politicians. Um, we have, there's a, a girl whose parents own a, um, a pizza company in town, a pizza restaurant. And so her game consists of a pizza delivery van that's trying to get um, a gas can but avoid road cones. Um, and it's interesting to see what students come up with too because um, the same game template in different hands could be wildly different. Um, but uh, when we have the end of the semester party um, and they get to talk and share with each other too, I think they get the biggest... Um, bang for their buck when they talk to other people and think, oh, that's a really cool idea. Maybe I should try that the next time. So it's, um, it's fun for me to see what they're going to create. And then I think they too also get ideas afterwards. It's not just a, a one shot project. Ah, so, the, but at the, the, the purpose of this, the um, presentation at the end of the semester is for the students to be able to talk with each other about what they worked on and to explain the logic behind their programming. So the goal in class to prepare for this is for the students to isolate one of the functions they worked on in the in the game code that they feel they did an exceptional job at that they can explain to other people uh, and then the takeaway for them is that they're explaining not just their code but since all of our programming is um, algebra based they're also explaining algebra functions and rationales and concepts to other students um, and that's a really tricky thing for, for a lot of students to do, especially at the middle school level mm -hmm. when they're just starting to, to dive into algebra. So to hearing them talking about their, their function, um, the domain of a function, the range of a function, um, they talk about piecewise functions, um, and then throw in topics like the Pythagorean theorem. Um, we can hear some conversations with kids that sound very complex, but they're talking about it in an animated and fun way because it has a a connection to their video game and it's something that they built and they created so they're talking not necessarily to share information and regurgitate facts but they're actually owning and understanding what they're doing and explaining the concepts uh, um, to other people that they really own it's it's neat to hear I think it's really cool as a math teacher to hear students really grasp and own um, what they have in front of them so it's a and, and it's a reward for them too to work a whole semester and finish being able to celebrate the hard work that they did. Um, the video games, although they might seem kind of simple when you play them, uh, they, the students can definitely appreciate the amount of work that goes into mm -hmm. making something. Um, I think that their idea of a video game that you'd go and buy um, from a store, a commercial big-scale video game, is that, oh, well, you know, it doesn't take that much or that much money and that much time and that much effort, but when they can really see how much um, you have to pay attention to the details and, and how much a little mistake can affect the overall project. Um, their, their idea of, of what it takes to make something precise changes a little bit. And so the hope after they finish this curriculum is that when they go back to the math classroom, they have the verbiage of everything we've talked about. Um, and then they also have this um, perseverance attitude where if it doesn't work the first time, like if you run your code and it crashes, you go back and you fix it. Um, same in the math classroom, if you try to write an algebra equation and it doesn't work or doesn't come out just the way you want, um, that you go back and you revise it and you fix it, um, and that the students also can pay attention to the details. Um, too, many times, too many times I see students who will finish their work uh, in a math classroom, they'll have the answer and they turn it in because that's the, the finished product that they're handing in. They're not necessarily going back to, to check their work, to um, make sure that it actually works the way they want 
they're just focused on, I put something on the plate, here it is, I'm done. Um, and so after a programming class when students can take a, the opportunity to think and revise um, in the math classroom, we're hoping that we have students with a deeper concept of what they're working on rather than producing a finished product. Um, in algebra, for students to succeed, um, it's a very tricky topic for them to think um, to work concretely but think abstractly about what's going on in the concepts. Um, but there have been a couple studies done that students um, who progress into life, into their, their careers, the strongest correlation with their, their lifetime income is linked directly to their, um, their score in Algebra 1. So I, I'm excited to see students in a programming class that are having fun making video games that are sea turtles and politicians and race cars and monsters and rocket ships. Um, but they're deepening that understanding that they can take with them afterwards. And when they are presented in an algebra classroom with something complex, they take it apart and they break it down with all the tools that they've learned. So it's a lot of fun to see. And I, I see myself as a younger student and, and I wish that I could have done this back when I was um, back in middle school. But this is the next best thing. So some of the, the amazing things about this project is that it's cross-curricular, too. You've got writing, you've got programming, you've got presentation skills, obviously the algebra connection and the programming connection. Um, the kids are just doing all sorts of stuff that would cover all of the curriculum you know, concepts at a middle school level. So that's just incredible. But I see students from a math background that might feel like they're in a failure loop, that math is not their thing. And then in a class like this, they can really refresh themselves. Um, they're trying it in a new context and um, feel a level of accomplishment that they can take back to the math classroom. So, so this is really great stuff. So I really thank you for, for doing everything that you're doing here at the middle school. I know the students love this class and love what you do and what you bring to it. Um, so, and thank you for coming on the pod. Now for our weekly segment, check this out. Today's article comes from Tom Vander Ark, and he's in the Ed Week magazine. And Tom is going to tell us a little bit about what's happening over the course of the last few years in trends for educational technology, and then looking forward as to what's, what may be occurring going forward. Uh, Tom says that despite more global investment in ed tech, not a whole lot happened in 2017. Tom's biggest concerns were the fact that Learning platforms continued to serve schools, uh, but at the same time, they didn't support, support whole group learning and didn't help personalize learning. So what we need to do as teachers is to really drill down and take these tools and, and develop them. Tom suggests that more kids got online with Chromebooks in 2017, a trend that started early in 2012 and peaked in 2016. And now that most schools have pretty good computer access, Kids were benefiting from more formative assessment. The problem, though, is they're not getting to those summative assessments. Without student loan deals, U.S. ed tech investment in 2017 was about the same as last year, but fewer deals are getting done. Abroad, though, the story is a little different. It was a very big year in China, and over the course of the qu last quarter in China, investments were made creating monster rounds of tutoring and test prep companies, and three out of the four EdTech IPOs last year were Chinese companies. 
So after almost a decade of venture investment, it's clear that EdTech is very different than the consumer internet. We're seeing a lot of products that go viral and freemium businesses. Uh, these freemium business models are business models where they give you something a little bit for free and hope that you'll subscribe and upgrade to the premium version. Unfortunately, that stuff doesn't produce sustainable businesses. So according to Tom, uh, with few exits, investors are more risk averse than they were five years ago. Lastly, Tom believes that AI and blockchain is where the future is going to take us. We're going to see artificial intelligence showing up in learning platforms, digital assistance, adaptive math and reading apps, and writing feedback systems along with assistive technology, student scheduling, and transportation planning. On top of that, he talks about blockchain. And one of the things about blockchain is that it will automate what he believes automate the award and recognition and transfer of credits, increasing learner ownership and control over their own data. Now, blockchain has improved the transcript conversation, he says, but there are many things that can be done with today's tech if we had better interoperability uh, and some agreements on how to describe and measure human capabilities. So, with blockchain technology, it'll make the portable learner profiles much more transferable, uh, and it will make them much more owned by, by the actual learner. I'd like to thank Pembroke Community Middle School teacher Adam Newell for his interview, the, things, the great things he's doing in his classroom. I'd also like to thank the work of Tom Vander Ark and his article, Not Much New in EdTech in 2017 from Education Week, and also the people at Google AR and what they're going to be bringing to the Pembroke Public Schools. Until next time, please like and subscribe on iTunes. Please rate us. That helps us get uh, out there in the public and maybe even a sponsor. Thanks. Thank you.